welcome to another podcast from Dismiss Life Ministry. We hope to encourage and present to you that there is hope in recovery with Jesus Christ and His Word. Today we will focus on a small portion of what we can learn from the disciple Paul and why he was so convicted in preaching there is redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's take a walk along the road to redemption with Paul and the Christ he so boldly proclaimed with confidence of his salvation. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I want to express to you the immense gratitude that I have for Jesus Christ. Through his shed blood on Calvary, he forgave all my ugly sins. When we consider Paul and the incredible grace that God extended to him, God chose to forgive him of his numerous and horrendous atrocities he had committed against Christians. God extended his redeeming grace to such an educated, passionate, violent, mean-spirited, predator, and murderer of Christians, both men and women and their families. Reflecting on his ugly past, Paul could not help but sing praises for what Christ had done for him, never forgetting, yet always living with the memories of his actions as his thorn in the flesh. Paul remembered his past and likely tried to forget it. All the while, he could not help but praise the Christ the remainder of his life as he proclaimed the riches of his grace through the sharing of the gospel, a story that changes the cruelest of all men. Paul's actions were described in God's word by Luke, Paul, and even Christ. As we read in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Paul persistently and continually strove to exterminate Christians. He persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy or waste it. And then we read that Paul spoke evilly of God in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious. And then in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, Saul was consenting unto his death, that is Stephen, in great persecution against the church. As for Saul, he had great havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing or dragging men and women and committing them to prison. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Saul, yet still breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. And then in Acts chapter 22, verse 20, when the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed, Paul was standing by, consenting unto his death, and he kept the raiment, he held the jackets of them that slew him. Paul even admits in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, verses 9, For I am the least of the apostles, and am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. And in the end, on his journey along the road to redemption, he was confronted by God, just like all men are. And when we are confronted with God, we must recognize who it is, the one we fought all our lives, ignoring and rejecting him to live life on our terms. In Acts chapter 26, verse 15, it says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. When we study Paul and recall how he would hunt down and slaughter Christian men and women and their families, going into their homes, dragging them to prison, murdering them, and at a minimum becoming an accomplice to extending suffering and persecution to Christians, he is a man many would have thought 
thought was unforgivable and untrustworthy. Even after his conversion, Paul instilled a level of fear in the disciples, for they did not believe his conversion was genuine. Thankfully, Paul, like me, had a Barnabas to defend his conversion and declare that the work of redemption in Paul's life actually occurred. For Paul, Barnabas saw the work of redemption through public display of Paul boldly declaring the name of Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 9 verses 26 and 27. Man will always have a problem and question the redeeming work of God's grace in men like Paul or even the worst offenders to man's laws today. When the converted soul attempts to live for God, proving his redemption is genuine, sharing the gospel, and doing all they can to live a victorious life, man will by default not trust them and believe it is just a cover. It happened to Paul then and still happens today to redeem Christians. This is why it is so important for the sin addict who converts his life to find a church, a local church, and become active in that church. This will present them the opportunity to be introduced to their own Barnabas, the one who will defend their conversion through their observation of your worship and challenge the naysayers. It is a dangerous thing for a person to question why God would extend a chance of forgiveness and offer an escape route from ultimate judgment before God. Redemption is a beautiful story. How encouraging it is that the gospel is for all men, for all time, for all conditions of the soul. All men have an opportunity to come to Christ. This is what Christ desires. Who? will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And the most important thing we read in 1 Timothy 2, verses 4 through 6, we see this, There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Paul recognized that without a ransom paid, which was the shed blood of Christ, there could be no redemption. Paul accepted that judgment against his sins must be rendered, and this conviction could not be overturned without the shed blood of Christ. Paul realized that although he was held in bondage, a slave to sin, he could not experience complete freedom without the shed blood of Christ. Repeatedly, as we read in Paul's letters, the overarching theme is, without the shedding of blood, there is no redemption. We read that in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7. It says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Paul's conversion on the Damascus road led the initial foundation of the road to redemption for all who are addicted to our sin. It is along this road the addict to sin will come to understand and realize the riches of his grace. I read in a commentary this. It says, For God of his rich grace found the ransom price and gave his son, as well as he gave himself his life, a ransom for many, and how much soever it costs Christ to procure redemption and pardon. They are free to his people, who are redeemed without money and the price of theirs, and whose sins are forgiven freely for Christ's sake. Amen. Paul, during the speech to the prosecution, closes with what we read in the book of Acts. For a man who at the beginning of his life had committed horrendous actions to Christians, comes to realize his calling and conveys that to the court. Paul's intent, like many of us who are traveling along the road to redemption, is to develop our ministry, to share the love and faith of the gospel, to present the world an opportunity to have a glorious victory in their lives, and not to succumb to the power of 
Satan in defeat. Let's look at what we can learn from Paul's tremendous defense before his enemy, King Agrippa, who said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. What persuades us? Or what dissuades us? What are the steps taken for a person to realize they need a Redeemer? And once they find that Redeemer, what must they do to develop the skills they need to have a victorious life of faith? Well, we find in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, a couple things that we're going to discuss. It says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. If we look at those three words in the beginning of this verse, open their eyes, we find in our sin addiction, we are blinded to the truth of God's word, which reveals our true sinful nature with its taproot deeply entrenched, feeding and drinking from the river of pride. This polluted and corrupt water from which we drink causes our vision of Christ to be impaired by the God of this world who places scales over our eyes in the form of feeding our fleshly desires, and they keeps us into darkness. The God of this world blinds our minds and corrupts our image of God, who wants the light of the glorious gospel of Christ to shine unto them. This is a promise of God from his word, that his word can shine unto us and through us, we read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, In whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. All too often, it is the company that we keep that keeps the God of this world employed, preventing the sin addict to recover. God's Word gives us clear guidance on what to do, while at the same time not neglecting to share the gospel through our lives with our own testimony. We've all heard this from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, and you're familiar with it. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? We need to be like Paul. We need to Prove that our faith is real and that we are developing a life of faith. Paul says this, I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be a partaker thereof with you. And this is how we start developing the skills and traits that we need to have a life of faith. We need to open our eyes to what the God of this world is doing to our lives and making sure that which we are drinking from is pure and holy and righteous. Continuing in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, the next thing I want to point our attention to is to turn them from darkness to light. I've always loved John 3:16 that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Then next we read that judgment requires redemption that can only come by the way of claiming Christ as our Savior. It says, 
For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Our Redeemer is Christ, the Son of God, through whom we have been given an opportunity to get our lives in check, correct, and right. God didn't create man to be condemned, but God sent his Son to redeem sinful men. God desires man to have sweet fellowship with him. He desires it. He craves it. He wants man to not succumb to the power of Satan who wants to cloud his mind. Verse 18 in John chapter 3 says this, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Man's pride prevents him from humbling himself to accept his faults before a faultless God, and that in turn causes man to reject his Son, who is our great Redeemer, keeping us in darkness and a servant of sin. We see this in John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. This is how we can turn from darkness to the light through Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. Continuing in Acts chapter 26 verse 18, I notice that we need forgiveness of sins. The Word of God tells us to turn back from our sins so that during our seasons of sin, we can confess and have every one of our sins blotted out, never more to be remembered upon our record. This is a promise that we read in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Many addicts seem to think that their sins are completely unforgivable because they lack the confidence, faith, and strength to overcome that way of thinking. Sadly, the great accuser has convinced them that the hand of God will not be extended nor assist them in defeating their sin addiction. God wants us to rely upon Him. While the distant enemies are viewing all of our activities, their planning, their gathering, their swarming, like hungering wolves waiting to devour us, they're waiting for that perfect opportunity to strike in our greatest moments of weakness. With all their stealth, strength, cunning, and deadly tactics, they forget God is watching from His throne and preparing for action. Our adversaries do not realize God is using their strengths against them in the hope that we can see His divine protective hand in our lives. He is teaching us to not look at the problems before us, but the solutions above us. For all sin addicts, there comes a time when we must realize we need His help in overcoming every enemy in our lives. The process of forgiveness of sins and redemption can be slow, painful, and difficult to endure. But rest ensured if the sin addict is truly seeking God, they must stand on the watchtower, attentive and patient, waiting for God to defeat our enemies like he did with sin, using Christ to conquer sin, death, and the grave. In our greatest adversity, we all too often question God, as Habakkuk did, but in the end, 
we begin to understand God's sovereign character as He uses these hardships in our lives to develop a firmer faith as we allow Him to work in our lives to convert and turn us from sin, we can then develop a life of faith and that is a work that truly is a miracle and just like recorded in Habakkuk, we see, For I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. And then it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. I love the fact that we can come to Christ boldly and confess our sins, and he gives us the strength and the courage to recognize that we need help, that we need a divine miracle, a Savior who can convert our soul and blot out all our sins so that we can continue to serve Him in the ministry that He's going to give us in our lives. Our last point in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, talks about sanctified by faith. The life of faith is a choice to persevere even in great adversity, to pattern our life in a way that seems so contrary to the world around us. As a Christian who is redeemed, you're set apart from the world to prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable way of God. We learn this principle in the Old Testament, and it is carried out again by Paul in the New Testament. It is, the just shall live by faith not through our own efforts, but in working towards forgiveness and justification through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. By setting aside our humanistic philosophy of earning to achieve, we rely on the finished work of the cross through faith. Paul tells us that our salvation is so dependent on our faith and on the efforts of Christ alone. We have to come to learn as we develop our faith of the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We got to understand that the substance things hoped for, this is the assurance and the reality of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. And the things hoped for, this is the proof of things that are recorded in John 16, 8, that Christ came to reprove the world of sin. This is what should drive our faith. And this is what drives the sin addict to realize this is how we can live a victorious life by faith, by setting apart our own means, our own way of thinking, and setting apart from the world and unto Christ a victorious life. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that your spirit is lifted and your eyes are focused on Christ. Join us next week where we will begin walking through my book, Dismiss Lessons Learned from Sin Addiction. Thank you and God bless.